we've been looking at some questions that uh, Jesus have has been asking uh, those who are struggling. Um, a couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, uh, Jesus asked the disciples uh, after he had calmed the storm, "Why are you so afraid?" And uh, and just uh, looking at trusting God through difficult times and having that faith. And then uh, last week we looked at Jesus healing two blind men. And he asked them the question, do you believe uh, I can do this? And uh, and so this morning we are going to be looking at uh, someone else who has been struggling physically. He's been struggling for 38 years, the Bible says. Imagine being uh, having this disability for 38 years. Eight years. Maybe you're here this morning and you have a, a chronic uh, disability. You've been asking God to heal you and uh, you still are, are struggling with that infirmity. Uh, maybe you're here this morning with some kind of addiction. You're going to hear uh, an addiction in my life uh, this morning that uh, I have to trust God with. But uh, but you just don't seem to get past. Well, I want you to listen to this message this morning um, through through the lens of uh, this individual who struggled for thirty eight years and what Jesus did in his life. So we're going to be in John chapter five this morning, John five, and we're going to read the first nine verses. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids who were blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 30 years. Eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going another steps before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, And walk. And at once the man who was healed, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. You know, in reading that passage this morning, you may have uh, noticed that uh, verse 4 is missing in your, um, in your translation of the Bible. I have the English Standard Version, and verse 4 is missing in uh, my text this morning. And uh, you might be wondering, why, why is that absent? Well, some, some translations have decided that uh, to not include verse 4 because verse 4 aren't, is not found in the earliest uh, manuscripts. It's found in some later manuscripts. And so some, some editors, some publishers have decided to keep verse 4 out of the text, but it is implied in uh, in verse seven when uh, the the layman talks about 
that there's no one to uh, put him in the water when the water is stirred. Because the, the verse 4 is referring to an angel that would come and stir the water. And when, when the people who were sick, struggling physically, would see the water stirred, they would get into the water and they would be made well. And so that's what's happening in this passage of Scripture this morning. This person has been... Uh, sitting next to the pool. He's been an invalid. He's been paralytic for 38 years. We don't know how long he's been sitting by the pool for those 38 years. But, uh, but this is his life. This is where you would find him uh, every single day. And uh, it's by the sheep gate. This pool is by the sheep gate. Now, I'm not sure how sanitary uh, this uh, sheep gate uh, area was in... It was in Jerusalem, but uh, that's where we uh, find this this gentleman. And Jesus asks him the question, do you want to get well? You know, looking at that on the surface, you might think to yourself, well, that's a rather insulting question. Of course he wants to get well. You know, it's like going up to uh, to someone who's hungry and, uh, you know, do you want to go eat at the Golden Corral Buffet? Of course he would want to go to the Golden Corral Buffet. But I want us to look at the question beneath the question this morning. Again, this man has been struggling physically for 38 years. He can't do anything for himself. He's he's dependent on somebody else getting him into the pool to be given the chance to be well. And he always misses the opportunity. You know, when we are in a... When we're struggling with an issue, whether it be physically or emotionally... For a long period of time, when that problem persists, um, there's three things that that take place with long-term difficulty. Number one, uh, the more discouraged you become. Now, I haven't had a disability that's lasted for 38 years. But I did have an issue that I struggled with for about 18 months. And that was when I was having back issues. And I remember how uh, defeating, how discouraged I became when uh, my, my back was really uh, giving me problems. You know, and I was seeing a doctor, and the doctor was recommending physical therapy, and I would go for physical therapy. I'd very be very consistent with physical therapy, but I wasn't getting better. I was getting worse. And I was taking, taking Vicodin and uh, dependent on uh, pain medication to get me through the day. But uh, asked my family, they didn't like being around me when I was on Vicodin. I was kind of a mean person. Uh, there was one, one day Susan came home and it was probably about 110 outside and, uh, three of my children were out in the front yard pulling weeds and Susan asked, what are you guys doing out in this heat pulling weeds? And they said, well, dad made us pull weeds <laughs> because they needed to be done. And, and, uh, I guess I wasn't very caring and merciful about, uh, having them go out and pull weeds, but, uh, I wasn't easy to be around. 
But uh, and I wasn't easing around being being around you. You know, I I would want to be kind of isolated. Um, and this was just wearing on my mind mentally. But maybe you're going through something that's far longer than 18 months. And and that's debilitating to you emotionally, spiritually. It's weighing you down. And it doesn't have to be just something uh, physical. It could be it could be a spiritual I- issue. You may be struggling with, uh, with with pornography, and you can't seem to get past this, and uh, and you're defeated spiritually. And the more we struggle with that, the more we 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 struggle with that problem, uh, the more discouraged we get. I, I remember uh, I'm going to be talking about this a bit this morning. And you all know this. This isn't a secret. But I've struggled with my weight um, ever since I was in elementary school. And, uh, and this has always uh, been an issue. But uh, when, I'm, when I'm fighting uh, with my weight, um, it's not easy getting up in the morning and getting dressed. You know, and going into the closet and realizing that nothing fits. And I would get so frustrated with Susan because I was convinced that she was putting everything in the dryer, okay? And it was shrinking because Susan was drying, drying everything. And that wasn't, wasn't the issue. But, uh, but that was a struggle, uh, when I struggle with my weight. And the more we persist with, um, with trouble in our life, not only do we get discouraged, but the more excuses that we make. You know, Jesus asked this, this, this man who was struggling physically, do you want to be made well? And instead of answering the question, yes, he gave Jesus an excuse. He said, I have no one to help me to get into the water. No one to help me. You know, when we, when we struggle with uh, issues in our life, uh, not only do we get ex- discouraged, but it's easy to come up with excuses. You know, and I was struggling with my weight, and, and this, when I say struggling with my weight, you know, I'm, I may be 65 pounds lighter at the moment, but the hard part's yet to come. The hard part isn't losing the weight. The hard part is keeping the weight off. And, and I've, and I know this and, uh, and you've watched me over the years as your pastor, as I have shrunk and as I've expanded and as I've shrunk and as I've expanded. And I, I want to get past this. But I get really good excuses. I, you know, one great excuse is Susan is a phenomenal cook. And I don't want to hurt her feelings, you know, to say, to say no. You know, another excuse I give is, well, you know, my job is rather sedentary. You know, I sit behind the desk a lot. Oh, I'm sorry, did we have a, did we lose our video this morning? Oh, I am so sorry. Hey folks, let's all stand up. 
can we? And let's move to, to your right and uh, let the traditions video come in here. I don't know what happened to our feed this morning. I gave the excuse, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm a Baptist pastor and, and many Baptist pastors fight the Baptist bulge. Amen? And so that was my excuse. Or uh, another excuse is, you know what, I've got my mamma's genes. Uh, I've got her DNA. And not only do I struggle with weight, but my sister and my brother uh, struggle with their weight as well. And it's just really too easy to come up with excuses. And maybe you have some excuses as well, just like this, this, this invalid did. You know, you've tried everything and nothing seems to work. You've been to doctors, you've been to counselors, you've taken medication, you've been through physical therapy, and you are still struggling and you don't want to go on and you have every excuse in the world. Another reason, thing that happens when problems persist is the more we learn to compensate. Um, you know, I was really good. I'm really good at compensating. If my clothes don't fit, you know, I know how to get out an iron and I know how to stretch those clothes so I can put that shirt on. And maybe you're here this morning and you've learned to compensate for your disability. You've learned to get by. Instead of believing that you're going to get well, that things can change, you've just learned to compensate. Maybe you're struggling with the addiction of pornography this morning. And instead of getting honest with God and honest with others, you've just learned to compensate. You've learned how to delete your history trail and uh, and just go on. And you've justified yourself in thinking, you know what, this, this isn't hurting anybody. And I'm just going to keep keep going this way and compensate for my life. Maybe you're compensating over uh, overspending or uh, tolerating an issue through a relationship uh, in your life. And instead of changing, you're just willing to tolerate. Folks, write this down. Nothing is going to change as long as you're willing to to tolerate the problem. You can't change what you're willing to tolerate. And I think that's the question behind the question that Jesus asks the the invalid. Do you want to get well? And the man gave Jesus... A different answer. He didn't answer the question. Why didn't he answer the question? It may have been because he didn't want to get honest about the payback that he experiences through his disability. You know, one of the paybacks 
of being disabled for 38 years is you don't have a whole lot of responsibility. You've learned for others to do things for you. And you don't have to do that for yourself. And, And that's a payback. You know, when I struggle with my weight, when I, when I balloon, you know, one of the paybacks of, of being overweight for me is, man, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy food. It's no fun losing weight, but it sure is a lot of fun putting it back on. I, I don't know if you've seen this, this show, um, um, fit to fat to fit, um, it's really interesting uh, uh, reality show, but uh, there's uh, these coaches, weight trainers, expert guys. Um, they want to empathize with the clients that they're uh, helping to get into shape, and uh, and so what they'll do is they'll go on this um, this um, <clears throat> binge, right? Where they'll eat is they'll try to gain. 40 to 60 pounds in three months. And uh, a lot of them accomplish that goal. And then after that, those 60, they put on that, that amount of weight, then they go to their client and together they uh, work on getting this weight off. But it's interesting as they're learning how to, uh, when they're eating all this food that uh, they're not normally used to. They say, man, this can be addicting. Man, this didn't taste good. Man, it's fun eating this food because you get to eat it with other people. And it's very enjoyable. There's a lot of fun in that kind of lifestyle. And I understand those things as well. And that's a payback. To be honest with you, I like the payback. You know, I like to go to a cupboard that has Oreo cookies in it and things of this nature. And and so we see this man having been debilitated for 38 years, and he really doesn't answer the question. He comes up with an excuse. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Really, it's it's learning to face the truth of what is deep down what's happening in our life. And if we get serious with God and we truly trust him and are dependent on him, Jesus promises that the truth will set you free. One man said this about truth. Oh, the the truth will set you free all right, right but not before it's done with you yet. And how true that is. God wants to set us free with the truth, but in doing so, we've got, we've got to change. We have to be willing to make the hard decisions. Do you want to get well? Jesus asked this man. Another way of looking at that, at that question is, your desire to change needs to get bigger than your disability. Until your desire to change is bigger than your dis- disability, you're not going to start to find your healing. Your desire to change 
has to get bigger. I like what William Barclay. Now you have to be careful with William Barclay. He's a he's a, a theologian, and uh, he's written some uh, some uh, um, theology books and commentaries. And he says this uh, in this passage of scripture. He says, "It's almost as if Jesus said to the man, bend your will to it.'" And we will do this thing together. Bend your will to what God wants for your life. And together you will do it with him. He goes on to say, we must realize that miracles can happen when our will cooperates with God's power to make them possible. Now, this was a miracle that took place in this this disabled man's life, okay? And William Barclay doesn't believe in miracles. But he's saying here that a miracle can happen if you bend your will to the will of God and that collectively you work together. A miracle will happen. A miracle did happen. Jesus performed a miracle in this man's life. But miracles can happen in your life when your desire to change gets bigger than your disability. You bend your will. You say, I've had enough of it. I'm tired of being sick and tired. God, heal me. I want to do it your way. Well, William Barclay is saying that a miracle can take place. This man didn't heal himself. Jesus healed this individual. But it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Do you remember back in October, the first Sunday of October, uh, I was looking, we were looking at the, the place in Getty. And in Getty, uh, that's where David was. And in Getty uh, represents uh, the, the, the presence of God and the place where God quenched David's thirst. God wants to quench your thirst. God wants to be your thirst quencher. God wants to be your healer. The person who sets you free. And if he's going to do that, it's got to start with Jesus. Jesus came to the sheep pool. It was Jesus who saw the invalid. It was Jesus who initiated the conversation. And Jesus sees your disability. And Jesus is asking you this morning, do you want to get well? You can get well if you allow Jesus to quench your thirst, to become your all in all. What does Paul tell us in Philippians chapter 4? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus can make you well, but it is only through Christ. 
Jesus asked the crippled man the question, do you want to get well? Because Jesus can't help somebody who just needs help. Jesus helps those who want help. You've got to want help. Just needing help isn't enough. You have got to want help. Do you want help this morning? You've got to get honest with God. You've got to get out of isolation. You've got to tell some other people, you know, the struggles that are going on in your life. You know what? A life group is a great place to begin. You've got a life group? God created the church. Jesus founded the church because he wants his children to be in community, in relationship with others. And you find those relationships, you find that community in a life group. And it's there you can start being honest. And hopefully your life group is loving enough to where when you are honest, they're not going to kick you out. No, they're going to be sympathetic. They're going to pray for you. And you know what? Your vulnerability will encourage others to be vulnerable. And people will come closer to to each other. This, This week, you're going to be looking at Psalm 77. And uh, the psalmist had lots of questions. Why? God, why are you doing this in my life? Bill and Melanie and the Togo team are asking the question this morning. God, why did you take Todd from us? You know how important he was to this team. The answer doesn't come immediately. But in Psalm 77, the psalmist goes back and looks at the history of God and how God has been faithful over past, the past. And God is going to be faithful in the present and in the future. It's going to be a great passage to talk about. If if you don't have a life group, next Sunday... Next Sunday, we're encouraging all the life groups to get together in the dining hall. And this sounds great. We're going to have a potluck, okay? So big temptation for me, amen? But but we're going to have a a great potluck. There's going to be great food, you know, by faith. I just believe there's going to be great food. And uh, if you bring great food... You know what? There are going to be people in other life groups begging you to be part of their life group if you don't have one. Okay? So if you're looking for a life group, cook something really good. But come next Sunday and learn how you can get connected to a life group in our church. This this is critical. But we need to be honest. Do you want to get well? Jesus wanted to know what was underneath. And then Jesus says this in verses 8 and 9. Jesus says, said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. 
What's Jesus saying in this passage of Scripture? What's Jesus saying to this man? Jesus is saying, you know what? I don't want to hear your excuse. Show me your faith. I want to see your faith. He says, he says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. When Jesus spoke, spoke those words, the healing power of God took place in this man's life. He was healed. But he had to get up. For 38 years, his legs had failed him. And even though God had healed him by faith, he still needed to get up. He had to obey God. Jesus says, get up, pick up your bed, and walk. I want to see your faith. Folks, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what your disability is. But Jesus doesn't want to hear your excuses. He wants to see your faith. Now, I don't know how God's going to heal you. I believe God wants to do a healing in your life. And it may, it may be supernatural like John 5 and this man here in this text this morning. But it may be a different kind of healing. He may heal your heart and he may heal your mind. He may give you a new attitude of how to go through the disability. And instead of making excuses for how, for the way things is, you're, you're, are, you're, you're praising God for who he is in your life. God may want to heal you like he's healed Johnny Erickson Tata. You know her story? You know, she's a paralytic, injured in a diving accident when she was a teenager. But you hear her story. She's, she's probably been this way for more than 38 years now. I, I don't know how old Johnny is, but she's been in a wheelchair a very long time. But she loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And she gives glory to him for who he is in her life. God's healed her. She's going to receive the ultimate healing uh, when she passes from this life to the next. And this is a reminder. This text is a reminder. The best is yet to come. We're getting new bodies. There's not going to be any pain or suffering or uh, people being paralyzed anymore. But he wants to set you free today. I don't know if you've heard the story of um, Nick Nick Vujic. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. But Nick Vujic, he's a he's a pastor in Australia, and he speaks all over the world, primarily to 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 teenagers. But Nick was uh, born without 
arms or legs. He just has one little foot sticking out that he kind of describes as his chicken wing. But this man has an incredible faith in how he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And no, Jesus can't give him arms and legs in this life, but by how he has healed his heart, soul, and mind. I don't know what, how God will heal you. But God wants to set you free from your disability. And if you get hungry and passionate for him, you get, you get honest about where you are and start taking steps of obedience, God can set you free. God has set Susan and I free. I mean, these last six and a half months have been wonderful. But you know what? Once we, once we reach our goal, that doesn't mean the battle's over. The battle's just begun. You know, I still get thirsty and hungry for what's not best for me. And I have to continue to trust Him and do the right thing. And whatever you're struggling with this morning, God wants to do a healing in your life. Will you let him? Let's pray. Would you just talk to him this morning? I don't know your situation, but you do. And you need a conversation with him. He knows how discouraged you are. He doesn't want to hear any more excuses. He wants you to display your faith and who He is. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. I don't know what that looks like. But God does. And He wants to do a miracle in your life as you bend your will to His. God, you hear prayers in this service this morning. You catch tears that are shed. You count each one. God, you care so much. This, this paralytic, he wasn't looking for Jesus. He was just sitting by the pool. But Jesus, you saw him. You took the initiative and went to Him. And Jesus, You see the one who struggles this morning. 
And for some, they have struggled for many, many years. God, do a healing. Set them free. May they believe the truth. May they embrace the truth. May they obey the truth. And I know the truth is going to do a work in their life. And it's not going to let them go. Until it's had its way. Jesus, thank you for your word and your promises. Do a healing like nobody else can. In Jesus' name.